Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder and CEO of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rulebook and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman from hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more. Whether you're pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Podcasts are the hottest content medium of the moment. In 2021, people have already spent 15 billion hours listening to podcasts, and their popularity doesn't show any sign of slowing down. Thank goodness. By 2024, it's estimated there will be 100 million podcast listeners in the U.S. alone. With over 20% of people listening to podcasts on a weekly basis, podcasts pose a huge opportunity for content creators to reach a massive, highly engaged audience, not to mention a sizable revenue opportunity. In 2019, podcast advertising revenue reached over $700 million. So how do you build a podcast that attracts loyal listeners? How do you turn those 45-minute conversations into a revenue stream? And how do you decide when to follow the metrics and when to follow your gut when curating guests and episode topics? Thankfully, I have Olivia Perez, the host of the podcast Friend of a Friend, a weekly talk show where she interviews the next-gen luminaries like Maggie Rogers, Bella Hadid, and Simone Sanders. Here with me today, she's going to be answering all of our questions about podcasting. So let's welcome to the work party, Olivia. Welcome to the show, Olivia. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I've been such a a distant admirer for a very long time. So this is an honor. Oh, of course. And, And us to you as well. So let's go back to the very beginning. What compelled you to launch your own podcast, Friend of a Friend? And what do you hope your listeners take away from it? So I was in college when I decided to start a website called Friend of a Friend. And I think I was just really ambitious at the time. I was living in New York. I was 20 years old and I was experiencing a lot. I was seeing, you know, really fun mom and pop restaurants and stores kind of open up around New York. I was 20 and not really interested in going on, you know, kind of the big media platforms and seeing the same people and places be written about all the times. I've always been an inherently very curious person. 
you know, I had that going and I would interview entrepreneurs and up and coming talent and kind of talk to them about what they were loving. And as I got a bit older, I feel like I've always been someone that I like to identify things as they're blowing up. That's something that's really fun for me to do. I know that sounds weird, but it's always fun for me to either see an actress in one movie and then another and be like, oh, wow, I can't wait to watch her career trajectory or watch a really great restaurant expand. Those are things that I'm really curious about. So when the podcast industry started blowing up, I had so many people that would come to me and say, my favorite part about your website, friend of a friend, is your interviews. You're interviewing such cool people. Both of you have amazing voices. And this is something I'd love to hear in that medium. I've also always been someone that just like customer feedback, staying ahead of the curve is something that I feel really, really drawn to all the time and just that I'm pretty zeroed in on. So as I was getting that feedback, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the thing that's working the best. I'm going to take the thing that people are loving and I'm going to start a podcast. So I started it, I think right as I graduated college and it's been such a fun journey and, and really, really this incredible community that's come together around learning something new. I love that. And I love that you evolved what you were working on. So you had this website, that website took off and then now you're transitioning it into the podcast side of things, which is awesome. But podcasts require a ton of strategy and planning. So what were the first steps you took when mapping out your strategy? Is there anything you wish you would have done differently? Oh my God. Yes. I was 23 years old, I think. And I was trying to do it all myself. I was inside, I believe I used the wing in Brooklyn had a conference room. And in that conference room, they would let people rent podcast equipment. I've never had any audio experience. I've never done anything in that space before, but they, you know, they had a big binder in the room and I would flip through it and try to learn it. And I was really, really dedicated to doing it all myself. So not necessarily something I would a hundred percent recommend, but I really did want to learn all the facets of what it took to produce the show. So I was selling ads. I was preparing for the show, editing. I worked with a producer who would help me actually cut the sound, but I was doing the edits myself. I was obviously hosting the show. With that in mind though, I looked at that and I was like, how can you actually do this and do it well? And that led me to saying, okay, you can only have a monthly show at this point. If you are someone that wants to really do this and you want to roadmap the next six months and you want to do it right, you still want to learn, figure out a way to do it where you're doing it the best you possibly can in that moment. So are you still doing it monthly or have you gotten no. in? Yes. So now we're a weekly show, <laughs> thank God, which is, it's been the most fun thing for me. And I think it's been a long-term dream of mine to be able to have a weekly show. But I think my key learning from that experience in the beginning was you can't do it all yourself. Mm. Even though I mapped it to a point where I, I was doing it to the best of my ability, bringing on help, bringing on other resources, especially if you're passionate about something and you might just not know the ins and outs of it, whether you want to start a fashion line and maybe have no idea about manufacturing, like building your team, investing in people and outsourcing things that you're not good at has been like really just the most important thing that's helped me continue to grow. Absolutely. And so now is the podcast your sole focus? Are you still updating the site? Are you still doing other things? Or are you just solely focused on the podcast? Yeah, the podcast is the full-time job. It's a weekly show. I, besides the actual audio editing of it all, it's the preps on me, the hosting's on me. And that's always been my dream is to be able to create 
communities like this where we can talk about things that people are working on and get inspired and encourage my community to get involved in things that other people are doing. Some of the best feedback I get is always that people come to listen to the show, they learn about someone new, they follow them, and then they're suddenly engaged and inspired by all that they're doing. And that to me is is the most impactful. And so it's it's the full-time job and I couldn't be happier doing it. I love it. So it's also safe to say that there's a ton of competition in the podcast space. Obviously, oh, yeah. you were early to that, but what advice can you share for newcomers to the medium who want to stand out from all the noise? This is kind of my mantra that I've said to myself for a long time, because I've been in two different industries that have blown up at the same time. And whether it was like the influencer fashion industry, now I'm in the podcast industry, and both got really noisy really fast. I'm not a very competitive person. I'm very focused but I'm not someone that is sitting here trying to outrun my competition. I'm really just about creating the quality work. Whether I have 10 listeners, 10,000 listeners, an episode does well or it doesn't. To me, it's just all about creating a space for someone to come. And if I impact one person, I'm, I'm thrilled about that and I'm excited about that. But so my mantra has always been keeping your blinders on. And it was something I actually, I always reference it back. But if anybody's seen The Defiant Ones, which is a documentary, Jimmy Iovine talks about racehorses and how when they're on the racetrack and they're trying to get to the end, the horses wear blinders on them and they can't see their competition to the right or the left. They just see their end goal. And that resonated deeply with me because I think that's the way that I operate too. I'm not really interested in, in what's going on around me. I just have my personal goal and I want to hit it and I'll do anything I need to hit it. So I think to anybody that's in a really noisy industry, it's obviously really important to do your research and know what's out there and always be on the pulse in that sense. But I think if you stick to yourself and you say to your authentic self and figure out what your brand is and what your goal and your mission is, that's what's going to propel you forward, not worrying about who's to your right or left. Before we get into that, I want to take a minute to talk about mental health. One of today's sponsors, BetterHelp, is making it safe and convenient to connect online with your own licensed professional therapist that matches your needs not a crisis or self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches that are more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Whether you are launching a business or climbing the corporate ladder, it's detrimental if you do not prioritize your mental health. Stress, anxiety, depression, or any other illness can not only interfere with your happiness, but keep you from reaching your goals. I want you to start living a happier life today. Work Party listeners, you will get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com party. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com party. Now back to the episode. Creeps, cults, ghosts, guys named Jerry. This is your one-stop shop. If you like all that weird shit, join me. I'm Casey Balsham. I'm a comedian and I am fascinated by dark, twisty, and shady ass shit. On the Shady Shit Podcast, we're going to cover all the topics ranging from living in a haunted house to dating app scammers to Lizzie Borden and everything in between. Every Friday, I'm going to break down well-known and little-known stories that are sure to induce just a bit of discomfort. I am so looking forward to making your weeks just a little bit weirder. So in terms of podcasts, obviously there's all shapes and sizes. There's all sorts of topics and formats. What is your feeling on length? Like, I know that there's some podcasts that are two hours long and there's some that are 25 minutes long. Like, what do you think is the secret sauce when it comes to the length of a podcast episode? I'm going to get in trouble for what I'm about to say, but it's okay. (laughs) I'm an interviewer at heart that is my skill. That's like what I love to do. So for me, being able to deep dive into someone's past and make those connections and those threads 
that's actually where I get some of the most satisfaction from having the show. It's when the other person is sitting there and they're like, oh, I didn't think about that. Wow, I didn't realize that this from my childhood actually brought me to where I am now. And so that takes time. And I think within an episode, I like to leave the space in the breathing room for my guests to also get comfortable too and get to a point where they can talk a bit freer. Right now, a big trend in podcasting are micro podcasts. If I think about what I get up and listen to every morning, it's the daily. I love my 20 minute show, love to do it while I'm brushing my teeth and wash my face, get in and out and call it a day. But I think even though I know that's the trend and I know that it will probably do well for our show, it hasn't been something that I've been willing to sacrifice like the inner artist in me and inner interviewer in me yet. I will say though, if you're someone in my shoes, like something that I'm working on right now is like, how can you find that middle ground? Like you want to do what you love, keep doing it. Like I'm not going to stop doing my 45 minute shows because they bring me joy. And that's where I notice that I get the most gems out of my guests. But I'm also trying to figure out iterations where we can bring shorter form shows to people that like to get in and out because I've actually gotten the feedback from my guests that they, from my audience that they like both. I get DMs saying, oh, I love a 45 minute. I do it on my walk outside. I love to hear like kind of longer stories. And then I get the reverse of, hey, I would love something that's a little bit quick in and out. So I think it's about finding the happy medium between what's going on in your industry that also satisfies your passion. I think it's like either or, right? Like a super mini mini episode or a longer one. But obviously just putting a podcast out doesn't mean people are going to come and listen. You need a strong marketing strategy and brand tied to that. So what do you do each week to announce a new episode? I mean, I follow you and I love the way you launch new episodes. It's so beautiful, so well done. So can you give us a little insight into your marketing strategy? I always see the pod as kind of, it's a show at the end of the day. And what always gravitates me to watch a new movie or a new TV show is a trailer. And that was a big inspiration for me for the trailers that we currently have for the podcast that we launched back in December. So every Monday we drop a 30 second reels trailer that includes a voiceover of me telling my audience about the guests and some really amazing graphics. It's really been great to see how it just hooks people in and they're interested and they're curious and they're excited. And I actually am a really big believer that the podcast listener audience and social media audience are different. I noticed that they move differently. Someone who's a big podcast listener will just get the notification on their phone and go listen to the podcast. But somebody who is on social might not always immediately go over and listen to the podcast in that moment because of the fact that it's a commitment. So with that data in mind, having you know witnessed it over the past two years, I was like, how can I make the show something that's visually engaging that I can also incorporate my social audience in and make them as excited as maybe a podcast listener would be. So we definitely have the trailers and uh, with Zoom right now, we've been able to do a couple videos that, you know, I feel like every week I'm like, is anybody else as sick as seeing a Zoom video as I am? But we still keep them going because I think it's an amazing way for people to get, you know, a bite-sized snack of what it is that we're talking about that can hopefully get them over there to hear the whole conversation. So for me, my, my strategy has always been, you know, hook, line, and think them. What's something that you know will get someone over to the episode and, and hopefully, you know, get them to a place where they're going to learn something new, meet a new person, and walk away feeling really inspired. I love that. Yeah, it's so true. Give them those little nuggets. Yeah. And bring them on in. So let's talk about some of the insanely amazing guests that you've had on your podcast. Can you tell us a few of your favorites and give a little insight into how you secure those big names and what advice do you have for people who are looking to book talent for their podcast? 
So this is actually, even though the, like the inner journalist in me is screaming right now because I love the prep of it all, figuring out guests is like my double-edged sword. It's so challenging, but it's also so much fun. I would say some of my favorites, if you guys were fans of The Undoing over the summer, we had Noma Dumezwini on and she played Haley Fitzgerald, who was the lawyer. She was incredible. She came to the show with so much energy. You could tell she was so passionate about her work and was also just really passionate passionate about sharing that with our listeners. So she's an episode that I would run to right now, especially if you're a fan of the show and you've seen it. It's just a really fun one. Another one I would say is Jordan Firstman, who's a comedian. I think something that was really fun about his was that I think when we look at Jordan's Instagram, we expect him to be this comedian. Everything's funny. He's going to make a joke about everything. And I think that's actually what I expected when I went into the interview. But we ended up having such a really deep, insightful interview about what it means to rise on social media so quickly and what that actually can do to your mental health and how he's navigating life now. So, you know, I think those are the ones that are always really fun for me is when you jump on the show and all of a sudden the personality is jumping off the screen and they're so different than maybe what you might have expected, which I think is wrong anyways to set a kind of pre predetermined vision of what they are. But when you're someone like me who's doing hours of prep on this person, it's kind of impossible not to. Jordan Firstman's impressions like basically got me through COVID. So I'm definitely going to have to listen to that. You're not alone in that because in my <laughs> prep for him, every single, like every single PR, press hit, comment, everything was, this saved my life. And I loved that. I, you know, I said to Jordan, I was like, you have a lot of pressure right now. Are you okay? <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by one of our sponsors, Bev. Bev is a female-first canned wine brand that was founded to change not only the way a product is consumed, but the way an industry and culture have operated for generations. In an industry that is almost exclusively masculine, Bev is breaking the norms and creating something from the female perspective that is approachable, fun, and consumer-centric. And if that wasn't already selling me, their wines are dry, crisp, the perfect amount of fizzy, refreshing, and delicious. Whether I wrapped up my last email for the day or I'm sinking away to Palm Springs for the weekend, Bev makes it easy to have a glass of wine and not overindulge. Their cute and tiny cans have zero sugar, three carbs, and only 100 calories per serving. We've worked on an exclusive deal for Work Party Podcast listeners. Receive 20% off your first purchase, plus free shipping on all orders. I suggest trying their best-selling Ladies' Night variety pack so you can check out all of their delicious varietals. Go to drinkbev.com slash party or use code party at checkout to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-B-E-V dot com slash party. Cheers. A lot of people's careers exploded during COVID, obviously, yeah. probably unexpectedly. Um, and I can imagine that's always challenging. And it's challenging when you're constantly playing a role too, right? Like, you know, he's playing a character, an exaggerated version of whoever. But I had a similar experience. I interviewed uh, Phoebe Robinson, who I adore. And she's so hilarious and so funny. And we just had kind of a serious conversation on yeah. the podcast, which was so interesting because I was ready for like her quippy. Like, I don't know if you she does thirsty Thursdays on her Instagram where she posts like a hot guy and the captions it's like, I'm belly laughing. They're so funny, I love that. but it was like the total opposite conversation of like that, which sometimes happens. So as an interviewer, how do you sort of navigate when you're getting into an interview and it's not what you expected at all? Ooh, great question. I think part of being an interviewer is knowing how to be quick on your feet and not being precious with anything. And that's something that I've learned over the past two years of podcasting is that there will be times where your interview doesn't go as planned. In those moments, I think what I've done 
is taken off my interview hat and put it on, put on my, my person hat. Mm. It's like, if this conversation isn't going, if this person maybe is feeling a bit more emotional today or wants to share something that maybe you didn't prep for, it's like, okay, let's take a step back, walk away from your prep sheet for a second mm. and just have a genuine conversation with that person. And I had Zana Rossi on the podcast in, Jan- in January. And obviously for me as a journalist, I was fangirling. And I said, what's your tip when you go into these moments and you know maybe something doesn't go as planned? And she says, I always have three questions in my pocket that I know off the bat, no matter what. And so I think in those moments where things go awry and you do have to kind of take off the journalist hat and become a bit more, a little bit more human and just have that natural conversation and let that person talk having those questions and have knowing kind of which way to go, but that feels a little bit lighter has been really helpful for me. But yeah, things will not always go as planned. And I think if you can lean into it and not get so precious about, you know, the questions you need to get out, that's actually where you can have a really, really successful, beautiful episode. Yeah. I I think that's such a good um, insight into it. It's like sometimes things don't go as planned, but you can dig into what you are getting from them versus trying to the script. So at work party, obviously we are a business focused podcast. So we like to talk a lot about the business side of business and obviously money. So let's talk a little bit about how you've monetized your podcast. I think some people feel like there's this deep, dark secret into people who are able to be full-time podcasters. So how long was it before you started making money from friend of a friend? Oh man. (laughs) Podcast advertising is such a weird world because I think it gets a bad rap. But actually, guys, if you listen to podcast ads, like you're getting some really good deals. Like there's some really good deals in there. And I, I, you know, as I've kind of grown in the industry a bit more, it's something that I've just been more and more confused by. I'm like, do I post this on my Instagram in like big red letters for me to be like, hey guys, there's a great deal on this like coffee cup that I love. Or like, you know, whether it's Sakara or other brands, like podcasting is really where you're able to give those deals in a very kind of, straightforward way. But I would say it took me about a year and a half to get a steady flow of advertisers in when I had started the podcast on my own. Something that I did was sold the slots myself, having worked in fashion before and kind of knowing how to navigate brand deals. That was something that I did to sustain us the first couple of months. But then again, you know, I will say that after those six months and I signed with the network, it takes a second to get those advertisers in because it takes a second to really capture your data when you're in a new place and really be able to talk about the show and and the data in that sense. So, you know, if you are somebody right now that's building something, something that I had to do was continue to work on kind of all the other things I was working on to keep the financial side of it up to get to a point where now a lot of my income is coming in from the show. I think it takes a second. It's definitely the biggest thing that I say about podcasting. It's a long game. It's not something that you are going to wake up one night and have millions of downloads. It's about engaging with your community, having that consistency every single week, which is really tough, but it's super rewarding. And I think if you're able to, if you're persistent and you're ambitious about it and you're ready to kind of write it out, it will reward you. I totally agree. And so obviously early on, you were looking for advertisers, maybe reaching out and using your skills. Now do you, uh, you have a network and they primarily help you with the ads, correct? Yeah, they do. But it's actually been really fun because the more that the podcast grows, you know, I would say when I first started my podcast, it was obviously my social media higher up and my podcast a little bit more down. Now I feel like we're at a point where they're leveling out a little bit. So it's fun to be able to, you know, sit down and look at a new brand partner and be like, 
how can we incorporate this creatively into the show and then also talk about it to my social network? So I think once you get to that point, if you're somebody that's also creative like me, it's fun to storytell and be able to use all your platforms to do so. Yeah, absolutely. And how long were you doing it solo before you signed on with the network? About six months. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's great. And I feel like that, I mean, the first like six months is kind of the wild, wild west. You like don't know what's going to happen. Are people listening? It's like putting up your first blog post. <laughs> yes. Especially during that time where I think, I think once I had signed to Dear Media, I think, and that was about a year and a half ago, that's when podcasting really hit the fan and the wind was blowing intensely. I think right before that, it still really was the Wild West. I didn't really have a strong brand strategy image. Like my graphics weren't that great. I was just really excited about getting the episodes out there. And again, you know, someone said this on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, it's better done than perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that I've really, really tried to stand by a lot where, you know, if you're going to obsess over perfecting something before you can get it out and it stops you from getting that thing out, you're just holding yourself back. I think by putting something out in the world where you can get customer feedback and you can get, you can talk to your friends about it and really test run it in the wild, that's where you're going to grow and, and be able to fine tune a little bit more. So better done than perfect, better out there, you know? Absolutely. So you talked a little bit about the metrics and figuring out your audience and all those different things. So what are some of the key metrics that people should be focusing on as they're building their podcasts? Um, is it audience size? Is it the type of people who are listening? Like, what would you suggest? I'm a little rebel when it comes to podcasting, because I think what your audience has to say about your show versus how many listeners you're getting per episode is where my North Star has always lied. An episode could do phenomenally. And then next week, it doesn't do that great. And that's just kind of the ride of podcasting is that unless you're a solo show and people are coming for you all the time and they want to hear what you have to say, not every guest you have is going to attract your audience. Mm. So I think you have to be okay with the waves of it. You really do. You have to build a thick skin in that. But I think, again, my North Star has always been the reviews and the paragraph DMs that I get every week from people saying this episode really changed my vein of thought, or I felt really inspired by this person. I'm actually going to go volunteer with them now, or this episode completely changed my career path. That to me is how I think you continue to stay excited. And you know that you're living in your purpose. Again, I think we've also, I'm sure you've heard this conversation millions of times. Like we have had this conversation with social media numbers, like everybody wants the high numbers, but a lot of the times we sit here and we say, it's not about your numbers. It's about your community. It's about how people are engaging with you. And I think for me, that is still what's driving me today. Allow me to hit pause on the conversation to have a real talk moment with you guys. If you're not obsessed with your current hair routine, it's time to try Function of Beauty. You've heard me mention them before, and I won't apologize for it because my hair has had a new frizz-free life since my custom formulas got delivered to my door. Here's how you get started. First, you take a quick but thorough quiz to tell them a little bit about your hair type and your hair goals. And next, you choose your color and fragrance or go fragrance and dye free if you prefer. And then the functions team determines the perfect blend of ingredients, bottles your formula and delivers it right to your door. There are 54 trillion, yes, trillion possible formulations for you and your hair. Function of Beauty has over 50,000 five-star reviews and consider this 50,001. Truly, I love it. Never buy off the shelf just to be disappointed ever again. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash party to take your hair quiz 
and save 20% off your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. So head to functionofbeauty.com slash party to let them know we sent you and get 20% off your order. That's functionofbeauty.com slash party. Now back to the episode. Obviously reviews are hugely important when it comes to your podcast, but yeah. I remember looking at our reviews and there was one in particular that was basically just like, oh, her voice is so annoying. She says like all the time, it was just like super mean. And I, I saw it and then I went down a full spiral and read like every single review and was horrified by my vocal fry. Like there was so much vocal fry feedback. And I got really upset at first. And I, I remember I posted one and I, I just was sort of like, LOL, but I, I mean, it definitely hurts, but how do you handle that? How do you handle any negative criticism that you're sort of getting? A bad review can ruin a month. Let me tell you, a bad review can send you spiraling for a long time because look, it's not something that not saying that this is like ethically right, but like it doesn't go anywhere. You can't like put it anywhere. It's on your show page forever. Mm. And I think, you know, knowing that you're going to look at that and knowing that other people are going to look at that, it's so easy to spiral. I totally relate to what you're saying. And it's deeply personal because it's your work and it's also your voice. So I, I understand that. And I, I, to anybody listening right now that might be dealing with negative feedback, I feel you, I see you. It's going to happen in your life no matter what you're doing. I think if you can look at it, if the person's being mean or the person's being rude, take that out of your mind. If they're saying rude shit about you, take away that part of it. Try to dissect the actual feedback in there and do what you can with it. Mm. So I got a mean review the other day that was like, this show used to be better, but now all the host does is insert her personal opinion and say like a lot. And for me, I looked at that and I was like, first I was hurt. Then I took five minutes, took a breather, kept my puppy, sat down on the ground and was like, okay about the person telling me that I insert my opinions because it's my show and that's why people come to me that doesn't bother me but apparently I say like a lot so with that feedback I mean I'm in a vocal class I take class every single week I work with a coach to help figure out little things in my voice that I can make better for podcasting and I brought that to the table and was like apparently I say like a lot let's tackle that so if you can take the feedback that you're being given strip away all the internet trollness and actually try and sit there and be like, can I make this better? Is this something that maybe actually I wasn't even thinking about? I think that's where I've, where I've learned to set my boundaries and put my, you know, protect myself when it comes to bad reviews. Wow. Vocal coach. So tell me a little bit about that. Like what are some of the, the quick lessons or quick hits that you've kind of gotten from that? Ooh, I think anybody listening right now, no matter what you do in life, I think taking, working with a vocal coach even if it's just for a month, will teach you so much about yourself. The way you speak is how you present yourself. It's how you communicate yourself to the world. So when we first started working with him, he asked me, he said, are you insecure? And I said, I can be sometimes. I think everybody on this planet is insecure. And he said, the way that you're speaking, at the end of every sentence, you ask it like a question. And that is coming from you maybe not being so sure about what you're saying or wanting to protect the other person or you know, being a bit, bit more reserved in what you say. So those are, you know, that's just one example of so many of like little things that you can learn about yourself just through the way that we speak. And we're never taught properly how to speak. So much of how we speak comes from where we're from, from our parents, our dialect. So I think when you can actually sit there and analyze it, it's, it's a really introspective, cool experience 
And I recommend it to anybody, no matter what you're doing. I think that's so interesting. There was actually this New York Times dialect quiz I took the other day. My friend sent it to me. And I think it was maybe 20 questions, but it's like, how do you pronounce aunt? Is it aunt or aunt yeah. or whatever? And I'm from Florida and it literally, so I'm from West Palm Beach, Florida. And it narrowed me down to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which is pretty wild. Wow. 20 questions. It figured it out exactly where I was from. So I'll link that here and I'll send it to you, um, Liv, to see if it- Please if it, link it. Let's see. It's going to be like, you're from the Valley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's quite fascinating for sure. And I, I love that. I took a linguistics class in college and it was like my favorite thing of all time. So let's talk a little technical podcasting for a second. You have an amazing mic in front of you, very legit setup. So what are some of the essential tools and equipment you'd recommend for an aspiring podcaster to invest in ASAP? So I had a crazy story. I mean, last year I had been seven months into podcasting. I just signed with Gear Media. I had never even, you know, I knew how to like work the recording system in the conference room. I was telling you about at the wing with the 20 page guidebook. But if you put me with a mic and a recorder and all these things on my own, I had no idea what I was doing. So when COVID hit and all the studios shut down, it was probably my, my biggest pivot story to date because within five days, I had to get all this equipment from Amazon, invest in it all, figure out how to do it and figure out my setup from home. And it's still one of my proudest moments because I did it and it was challenging, but you know, the show thrived throughout the year. But I will say one of the biggest mistakes I did in that was investing in maybe the wrong thing. So I had, you know, gotten a, an okay mic, but I gotten a great recorder or I had gotten, you know, like a big setup for my desk that I was hoping would give me a ring light and I would be able to, you know, record more episodes from home. I think the, the most important thing that you need is a, an amazing mic setup with a good recorder, a good pair of headphones and investing in whatever equipment you need on your computer to edit. Simplify to the basics of what you need, but don't skimp out on the quality of those products. Like that is your equipment. That is your show. Like the the quality of that is going to be what keeps your listeners there. If you go through any Reddit channel of people saying bad things about podcasting, their number one thing that they will not stand for is bad audio quality. So I would say invest in the right equipment because it will just save you a lot of money. It'll save you not having to buy different things over and over again. Honestly, it's going to ensure your success. I think that, I think that's great advice as well. I know we were all scrambling to figure it out from home for a while. It took me a minute. I'm not the most tech savvy when it comes to this stuff, but here we are. All of us a minute. I know. So you've interviewed amazing people on your podcast, Maggie Rogers, Simone Sanders, and Lindsay Peoples-Wagner, just to name a few. What are some of the most memorable lessons or episodes that you've had with your guests? I mean, it's like asking me to pick a kid, you know? There's like over 80 episodes at this point, and I, I love them all. We just had Ian Summerholder on the show, who, if you're a Vampire Diaries fan, which I think I like skipped that in my teenage years, unfortunately. So I can't relate to the fandom, but the fandom was very kind to me when this episode came out. So thank you. He obviously is known as this really, really big movie star, but he produced this documentary called Kiss the Ground recently. That was all about regenerative agriculture and bringing carbon back into the soil and instead of the air where it's obviously causing a lot of issues for our planet. So I think it's episodes like that where it's so deeply informative but you're hearing from it from someone who you can relate to and you're excited to, to hear from. Those to me, I think have been the most impactful. 
we had an assembly member last year who came on right around uh, June 2020, which is when the George Floyd protests were happening. And she was talking, she talked about a lot of legislation that was happening in the state of California. And that was, again, it was so amazing to be able to talk to someone that is in government and actively working, because I think, again, we can really get stuck in these echo chambers of the internet. So it's awesome to really talk to somebody that is at the forefront of it. I think those episodes for me, people who are trailblazing, people who are really stepping out of their comfort zone to do something amazing for the world and want to share that with their listeners and are so deeply passionate about it. That's when I really feel rewarded because I'm learning something new and I know I'm giving someone the platform to share it on a louder level. I love that. Okay. So we're going to end with some rapid fire sentence finishers. I can't even say it. Are you, are you ready? (laughs) Yes. Ready. Okay. The three traits that got me to where I am today. Ambition, curiosity, and kindness. The best career advice I ever received. I know I already said it, but I would definitely say the blinders on trick has been so helpful for for your mental health too. I think there's a lot of noise out there right now and it's easy to compare and it's easy to look at other people and say, why aren't I doing that? But I think, again, keeping my blinders on has really kept me in my purpose. I agree. The top podcast I always recommend, besides your own. Besides my own. I listen to The Daily every morning. It's definitely a great way to get your news. And my dear friends, two of my dear friends have an amazing podcast called Call Your Girlfriend. And I would definitely tune into that. That's an oldie, but a goodie. A fellow podcast host I admire is... This is going to be too crazy, but it's been really fun to watch the Call Her Daddy podcast blow up in the past year and a half. And I I don't know Alex Cooper, but I definitely admire her from afar. And I think what she's done with her community is really fun. And um, I respect her a lot. My go-to work from home lunch is... I love a sweet green. Oh, it's oh, easy. I know. It's so easy. They do delivery now. It gets there in like 15, 20 minutes. And... You know, I'm someone that lunch is really challenging for me. So like Sundays, I like try to like plan out what I'm going to do, because if not, how many of you have like sat in your office at 11 o'clock and like for an hour figured out what you're going to eat? I'm just kind of like a like, get it done, move on, move on with your life. I'm the same way too. But I saw this hilarious TikTok that was like my, my meal prep food in the fridge hanging out while I keep ordering Postmates. And I was like, that's so me. Like I'm like, yeah. I my groceries, I'm yeah. ready to eat healthy. And then I'm yeah. like, $5 million on Postmates later. Um, Literally. Also, if you're someone who lives in Los Angeles, California Chicken Cafe is so good and such a good weekly order. Like, can't recommend it enough. Love it. And success to me is? Happiness to do what it is that you love. Love that. Can you tell everyone where they can follow you and Friend of a Friend podcast? Yes, guys. You can follow me on Instagram at Liv Perez. There are two Vs in there. And you can find Friend of a Friend on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And we have a website. If you, if you don't have any of those and you don't want to be on those platforms, friendofafriend.us. We stream them all on there. So you can just listen from your browser. Amazing. Thanks so much for joining us on Work Party. Thank you for having me. Again, I'm honored. For more inspiring conversations like this one, subscribe to Work Party on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Work Party.